0: Today's guest, Matt Yates. The risk of ramping any function down rapidly is is, is inherent. You know, there's there's risk involved in, in, in that, regardless of whether it's a recruitment function, HR function, a risk function, uh, finance function, sales function, or whatever, right? Because at some point in the very recent past, you required all those people. There was a de- definite decision to hire them. So what is it that you know about future requirements or future business circumstances, just that you do not need that anymore? Have you found other solutions to deliver what you need to deliver in a more efficient or more productive kind of way? Um, uh, And have you got it right sized? You know, that's, that's the key thing. So any drastic kind of ramp down is, is obviously, uh, is obviously going to have impact in, in, in the organization, but the key thing is understanding whether it's the right call or not and having, uh, to minimize the risk of that. Um, it's there's no there's no hard and fast rule to it, right? But you've got to try and get those things right in in some degree. And it's one of the things that puts a greater stress in organizations today uh, on the uh, on on the absolute uh, skill or sophistication in workforce plan. You know, I can't tell you in you know in the vast majority of roles that I've been in when I speak to peers in their organizations as well, it's usually the number one thing that people are trying looking to try and solve like particularly in an increasing volatile kind of environment uh, in terms of economic circumstance. You know, how can you get more foresighted on what you need to recruit. You know, TA functions can be more effective in, 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 in that space if we can plan effectively. So uh, circumstance being circumstance means that sometimes that's tricky at this point, right? So your ability to react is also really important. But from a you know, leadership point of view, you've got to kind of get your core absolutely right um, and then have an ability to have flexibility and scalability around it. And there's lots of ways to do that, right? Like in terms of partnerships that you have uh, or outsourced agreements or just flexible uh, and scalable parts to your organization that you might kind of like engage labor or engage employees on in different kinds of ways. Um, But it's all dependent on great workforce planning at the end of the day.
1: Matt is in the industry since 1998. So he saw three crises, the internet bubble, Um, The financial crisis of 2008 and now um, the crisis we are in and we talked about what it does for recruitment, for organizations, how to stay flexible, what is important nowadays to measure, not just um, activities in terms of um, number of hires and how fast you are. There's much more towards it, how you can be a real true strategic partner and function to the business and to translate talent acquisition action into overall um, business value. Then you can build trust and then you can spend less time communicating and more time just getting shit done. Then I went home and and thought about this sentence. We basically put it on the
0: table. Hiring
1: takes time. People are trained. How to objectively judge certain situations. It's very, 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 very hard to change that. That was the learning.
0: Entrepreneurs with empathy. To the people side.
1: Hi Matt, finally we speak um, after not long ago because um we had now some technical issues now we're sitting in here and we met um last week in Amsterdam at um a conference and it was really nice meeting you and I'm happy that we can now do a podcast.
0: Yeah, fantastic. It was great to see you last week and more than happy to more than happy to jump on the podcast today. So thanks for having me. Uh, cool. So um maybe let's start with a bit of an intro about yourself. Okay. Um Crikey, where do you want to start? So I've been in TA for t- nearly well. Next year is my 25th anniversary in in uh, in talent acquisition. Uh, so uh, yeah, a, a uh, what feels like a lifetime, but has gone really really quickly as well in in, in lots of ways. Um, so I'm currently the uh, TA director for EMEA, um Europe, uh, Middle East, and Africa region, and um, for Uber. Um, I've been with Uber based here in Amsterdam um, for the last uh, 15 months. Um, uh, but previous to that, spent uh, the entirety of my uh, initial career uh, working in talent acquisition uh, in roles in the UK. Um, but that also included uh, global roles as well. So I've worked internationally, but always been based in the UK. So this is a this is a new thing for me, being based in a in, in a new country uh, and uh, enjoying all the benefits of that. Um, I started uh, in TA in the nineties. Which always makes me seem incredibly old to people. I'm sure listeners will, will will be feeling the same thing that maybe they were still at school or maybe not born uh, in 1998 or 99. But uh, nonetheless, that's when I started in recruitment, um, uh, and I started in uh, in technology recruitment back in uh, back in that day. Uh, so uh, working as lots of people do when they when they join uh, join the recruitment industry, uh, working very much on the agency side. Um, uh, and focused on uh, on tech recruitment at that particular time, which was a, I mean, wow, just a, a really fantastic space and uh, lots of things going on and uh, recruiting into the into the Y two K era, um, which was fascinating and fast paced and all the rest of it. Um, so I started in technology recruitment uh, on the on the agency side. Um, I loved it. I thought it was great. I think uh, it's such a fantastic industry uh, and it's a wonderful place to learn all sorts of things about recruitment, uh, but also, uh, you know, sharpen up skills around uh, business acumen and understanding uh, sales cycles and profit and loss. uh, uh, And and where does TA make a real difference to organizations? Because you're solving very real talent problems that someone's paying you to solve. Um, So uh, I, I loved all that stuff. Um, But for me, I was kind of, uh, I was interested about where that would take me over the course of a longer career. Uh, And I really wanted to explore some things that were uh, more akin to, you know, an in-house role. Um, So uh, I did my uh, international HR masters uh, at that particular point uh, and then went to work in-house. And then I spent um, several years in London uh, working in tech and new media. Um, So uh, that was a completely natural kind of evolution for me both in terms of industry and in terms of role um, and then i started managing teams uh, and getting kind of more involved in kind of developing and uh, and growing skills and uh, abilities in uh, you know in other people in a ta function uh, and then as time went on and as the industry kind of matured as well building on newer parts to you know to the recruitment function less about the kind of linear uh how many roles have we got and how can we fill them to how can recruitment make a real real impact from a competitive advantage or from a customer perspective and understanding how that fits into you know centrally fits into a business strategy um so uh i did a, a bunch of work in tech and new media companies um uh, i i was in last back at the uh back in the kind of the the heyday of that of, of the organization which was just fabulous and wonderful place to work um uh, and then i eventually uh, made a switch into financial services in, uh, in in the middle of the early 2000s, um, which was something that really interested me uh, and a, a completely different challenge and on a completely different scale. I actually went to work for uh, Barclays uh, Barclays Bank. Uh, and at that point, that was an organization that had, uh, I think at that time, about around about 120, 130,000 people in it globally. Uh, so a phenomenally different scale of business and uh, and, and a tremendous amount of, uh things to learn there around recruitment and business and all the rest of it um, but of course i went to work for barclays and then there was a, a a small incident known as the as the financial crisis that then happened uh after about uh, maybe about a year or two of being there um which was a a phenomenally challenging period for for any any organization in financial services and beyond um, but a really challenging period for recruitment as well as we pivoted into uh not just hiring for the organization but also then really wholeheartedly redeploying skills around the business to ensure that we kind of had maximum coverage for you know for our business lines uh, and we're mitigating the impact of what was you know shrinking business units and restructuring and you know constant change in those environments that was uh, you know that was a that was a real theme for us for, for a long period of time um so i kind of uh went through went through that uh, I then sort of progressed into kind of global roles and heading up recruitment functions. Um, I did that for the corporate bank at Barclays. Uh, I did that, then uh, moved on to Fidelity International, the asset management firm, um, which was a, just a wonderful place to work uh, with some fantastic people um, uh, and experienced a lot there. Uh, and then uh, kind of um, went into went back into tech at that point um, because that's kind of where my heart was, um, and did some did some work in the tech space. Um, uh, I then ended up uh, following uh, a chief people officer that I worked for in technology to another organization back in financial services. So I jumped back into FS uh, and uh, and led the global uh, global TA function for uh, Aberdeen uh, that is uh, that used to be uh, Standard Life and Aberdeen Asset Management. The merger so uh, Standard Life Aberdeen, um, which is a phenomenal kind of period of time uh, working with some great people again, um, uh, and then back into back into technology and back into uber uh i got the call from uh from the recruitment team uh, about the role in uh, in amsterdam Uh, and it's one of those things right like even if you're really really happy in your role an opportunity comes your way uh and if it's a company that uh, is such a recognizable brand uh that it's it's hard not to kind of take that call and at least kind of find out what it's all about um uh, and what i found about here was that uh, it was just a phenomenally ambitious and aspirational organization that's been through so much change uh, for the better, uh, and uh, a tremendous amount of of work to still be done uh, for for the organization, and just unlimited potential. Uh, so it was a it was a tough call, particularly when you're kind of moving with a family like I did, and uh, you know, wife and three kids, and moving everyone out of their kind of normal lives into a new country, but. That's what's kind of brought me to here now so yeah really enjoying life with uber right now
1: yeah exciting and a great um journey so i think then you also saw a lot right especially from a recruitment function and i think when you just consider the past two years um post or first of all COVID shock no hiring everybody didn't know what to do even layoffs or on everything on Uh pause then a crazy ramp up where everybody just threw money at recruiters and just wanted to hire like crazy. <laughs> and then again, um, the the whole interest rates um, changed, war came, energy prices gone um, uh, up. And now again, a real slowdown in hiring and staffing. So um, what can maybe a recruitment or companies overall and recruitment functions um, l- learn from that in your opinion? And how do you... Perceived
0: that I think there's um there's an in, there's an interesting kind of dynamic to 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 good TA functions in in my view, uh, and the closer they align to kind of business priorities, the better. Um, and so the bit you've just talked about, you know, kind of COVID through the kind of the COVID bounce back, which was probably bouncier than anyone really expected from a recruitment perspective, right? Like the market went kind of completely crazy. Um, and organisations went uh, went full steam into hiring, and that wasn't really kind of industry specific or skill specific either. It was kind of across the board, um, with kind of ginormous increases in demand. Um, and then you coupled that with the way that work was changing at that particular time as well, right? Um, if I think about recruitment functions, what they recruited pre-COVID in terms of the types of people or the roles that are recruiting did fundamentally change after you know after people started coming back to the office because suddenly hybrid working was a thing for for organizations um whereas it probably wasn't that wasn't as prevalent you know pre covid and organizations had kind of worked out that yeah we can have a much more dynamic and hybrid workforce and uh it has a payoff for people and they really enjoy it and we can be more efficient and we can also uh you know give people you know real benefit in terms of work-life balance so there was all this changing kind of elements to to, to recruitments and all the time you're doing that with and we need more 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 of it and the market is incredibly competitive you know if i think about just technology recruitment and the demand for for coding skills and engineers you know every organization was kind of uh was really going wholeheartedly into you know into that um and then it gets kind of to the next period after that which actually that many organizations potentially overhired and then reductions start to come and more challenge economic circumstances and you know organizations tend to have two ginormous cost bases within them right they're either the people that work there or the or, or, or the real estate that they that they have so um you've got kind of like a real kind of peak and trough scenario in, in a very very short space of time as well uh, and it kind of reminded me of what happened in you know 2007 2008 uh with regards to you know organizations having to kind of pivot and change really really quickly in recruitment functions needing to kind of be you know adaptable and uh, and move with that really really quickly um and I think the kind of the bounce back covid, Post COVID, like a lot of people learned from kind of the challenging economic period in the kind of the back, you know, two thousand and eight onwards. From uh, you know, for that kind of two or three years in particular, because a lot of recruitment functions and certainly the one I was part of that time as well, um, we weren't geared up to kind of be you know quick and adaptable and agile and nimble and uh, change what we were doing and redeploy skills. That took a lot of shift and lift and a lot of work. So, you know, what we probably learned from that period meant the organizations or TA functions were able to kind of really, really adapt post-COVID potentially to detriment, right? Because organizations got really good at hiring really, really quickly uh, and probably overhired and then had to come back from that again. But the one thing that I think we take from that, either of those two periods, and particularly this kind of most recent one, is great recruitment functions or great TA functions. Are very very aligned to what business pro- which what the business priorities actually are and what the organisation needs to do to gain either competitive advantage or in some instances and lots of organisations are in this space where they just needed to survive right. Um, so having recruitment functions that are scalable and flexible uh, and less rigid and less linear than they kind of probably were in the past was probably one of the, one of the biggest learns that I had. Uh, and in addition to that, it's thinking about the kind of the full suite of kind of value add from you know from from a TA function very, you know, know, I've been around long enough when I was kind of first started, you you know, recruitment function was measured on how many people it could hire and how quickly it could do it and how much it cost to do that. But there's so many other measures that we can bring to kind of the table or kind of value pieces that we can kind of like really, really, really look at. That's that's interesting. What do you look at in terms of the value pieces? I mean, the two kind of like the two consistent pieces for me that kind of, um, I do see variably kind of taken up on in, in other organizations. Is a you know is a real understanding and sophistication around candidate experience or hiring experience in general, which includes the kind of the hiring manager and the and also the recruiters' experience or the or the TA function as a whole experience. Um, and then the other ones around, around quality of hire. You know, for Uber, that's our, they're our north stars, right? You know, that's where we can really really drive uh, you know business advantage or competitive advantage. In case you like my show, please subscribe. I would really appreciate it. An experience is a great one. To think about uh in the concept of uh, what that means to a, to an organization it means a lot from a branding perspective and a sentiment point of view but particularly if you're a consumer-led organization um the, the impact on consumer is is quite considerable you know in an organization in a you know in a tech business like uber or, or you know any other for that matter um the application rates that you'll deal with will be you know north of a million applicants a year it's a lot of people that have said they're interested they think enough of you to, to make an application to the organisation. How you treat those people has a direct business payoff, because the negative experience drives people to use your product less, or in some cases, not at all. So there's a you know an understanding of that measure uh, and what that means, and the things that and it's not just about saying yes, we know we treat candidates as customers and we want a great candidate experience. I think all recruitment or TA functions would say that, but really understanding the actions that you take at various different parts of the process you know, what has it, what has an impact on that, which then has a business impact is really, really, really key. Um, and certainly thinking about it, um, in the sense of what the key drivers are, what are the things that you prioritize in there, you know, what are things that you've got to really kind of dial up, because it's very important to the candidate base, and you're not doing it well enough, or the things that you do really, really well, that don't really make a huge difference to sentiment or experience There's a you know, there's a sophistication to it, that, I think a lot of organisations certainly lack, right? It's um, it just gets gets lost behind the general premises. Treat your candidates as customers, um, and, uh, which, which is just the
1: start of it for me. Yeah, and I think also one piece, especially what you also mentioned, is the direct business impact. Um, and I I hear from some recruiting or people leaders that they say, yeah, but we are a cost center. And I think, are you really a cost center? Um, Maybe yes, Of everything costs money, but how could you maybe flip the storyline that you also connect the um, capacity you need or the hires you make into value creation, um, also translating it into a business case um, that is reflecting the, I don't know, numbers of new signups or new revenue or profit that is generated while when you can enable a certain function ramping up again um, when needed or pivoting faster as on. Well, right? So I think these are also things what to consider, um, especially when organizations are a bit bigger and are more data-driven overall managed, that you can also participate and leverage that
0: completely i mean it's the flip side of what i was uh what what i was alluding to earlier which is if you're thinking in a you know with a very real business in a very real business sense about the experience and the payoff it's not just about stopping people from using your product less by having a good experience if you can turn it into the into a spectacular experience that encourages people to use it more and most importantly like the vast majority of people that apply to a role uh, are not going to be successful in it. There's only a certain amount of those roles. And if you've got a million plus applicants or a hundred thousand plus applicants or whatever it is, the vast majority of those people are not going to not going to be successful in the application process. So what can you do? What interventions can you make that increase product usage through that? You know, are there links to your products and services that you can kind of make in the, you know, in, in the recruiting process? You know, can you introduce that to people? Can you kind of leave people with such an experience, but also information that actually strengthens their opinion of the company uh, and the, the ability to um, for to provide products and services at a level that you know they would appreciate and continue to use. It's um, it's a it's a really important thing I think in terms of thinking about you know what you know value that a TA function would really really drive from a business perspective. And
1: do you because there were a lot of layoffs overall in the industry over the past one and a half years. What do you think are the risks of ramping down talent
0: acquisition rapidly? I think if, I mean, it's not just TA, right? Like the risk of ramping any function down rapidly is is, is inherent. You know, there's there's risk involved in, in, in that, regardless of whether it's a recruitment function, HR function, a risk function, uh, finance function, sales function, or whatever, right? Because at some point in the very recent past, you required all those people. There was a definite decision to hire them. So what is it that you know about future requirements or future business circumstances suggest that you do not need that anymore have you found other solutions to deliver what you need to deliver in a more efficient or more productive kind of way um uh, and have you got it right sized you know that's that's the key thing so you know any drastic kind of ramp down is is obviously uh is obviously going to have impact in, in, in the organization but the key thing is understanding whether it's the right call or not and having uh to minimize the risk of that um it's there's no there's no hard and fast rule to it right but you've got to try and get those things right in in some degree and it's one of the things that puts a greater stress in organizations today uh, on the uh on, on the absolute uh, skill or sophistication in workforce planning. you know i can't tell you in you know in the vast majority of roles that i've been in when i speak to peers in their organizations as well it's usually the number one thing that people are trying looking to try and solve like particularly in an increasing volatile kind of environment uh, in terms of economic circumstance. You know, how can you get more foresighted on what you need to recruit? You know, TA functions can be more effective in, 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 in that space if we can plan effectively. So uh, circumstance being circumstance means that sometimes that's tricky at this point, right? So your ability to react is also really important. But from a yeah, leadership point of view, you've got to kind of get your core absolutely right um, and then have an ability to have flexibility and scalability around it. And there's lots of ways to do that, right? Like in terms of partnerships that you have uh, or outsourced agreements or just flexible uh, and scalable parts to your organization that you might kind of like engage labor or engage employees on in different kinds of ways. Um, But it's all dependent on great workforce planning at the end of the day.
1: Right. And I think you can never get it right because um, once there is a quote, um, no plan survived first contact with the enemy. (laughs) 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 and i think it's not really about the plan itself but it's about the planning exercise right because you 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 just can give your best guess and maybe add some scenarios to it but you never know what's really happening until it's happening and um, if the overall company um, strategy changes from today to tomorrow then the whole fundamental principles of the whole planning exercise also change and then maybe you need something completely different but then i think it's good to just Build a plan again and execute against it until it's not valid anymore, or you need to redo it. Um,
0: it's kind of like it's. Um, you make a really good point because there's there's a certain level of um, of needing a bit of everything in a, in a TA function. You want to have you know great foresight and planning that allows you to create you know always on processes and you know being able to go to market for hard to find skills or uh, you know niche talent mm-hmm. market areas where it's harder for you to compete you need time to be able to plan to do that and, and then execute effectively but you also need the flip side as well you also need to be incredibly adaptable you need to be able to kind of change the priorities and move with the organization because that's the nature of the the, the customer base that you might be in or that might be the nature of the business um, or there might be something that happens like covid which no one really foresaw um, that has a ginormous impact on your business so the ability to, to adapt and move quickly is also really 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 key so it's about having, you know, both of those things, which sounds kind of counterintuitive sometimes. But I don't see any other way that it's successful these days, really. Yeah, definitely. Um,
1: and and that's, I think, also the tricky piece, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's tough. It's also historically, um, you know, not the skill set that recruitment functions or TA functions have been have been the best at um, uh, over the course uh, over the course of time. You know stoic planning and kind of foresight and uh you know well-managed projects with every i dotted and every t crossed is sometimes not the not the natural domain of the recruiter or maybe it's just me i don't know um but uh so it's not always been something that we've been fantastic at um but i find that you know great ta functions tend to have great people in it who are commercially minded who can take good decisions um, and then see them through to execution. That tends to be a real uh, a real strength of functions that that I've uh, I've had the, the pleasure to be a part of. Anyway,
1: yeah, cool. Agreed. Um, um. Next point. Um. The whole regional aspect would interest me from your point of view and your experience because EMEA is not small, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, w- what different um, aspects do you see, for instance, in? Um, Hiring in com- countries like Germany, UK, the Netherlands, or any other
0: um, region that comes to your mind. Well, I guess I'm I'm, I'm fortunate, right? Because um, you know my mere remit in uh, in Uber is also coupled with a global remit for the delivery business. So I have uh, I have the the the, uh, the opportunity and the uh, and the ability to to look at our uh, delivery business globally and see kind of what we're doing in in all of our regions, uh, and then work with the leadership team for. Um, for the delivery of business, which encompasses Uber Eats and uh, and various other different parts of that of, of that organization, so I have that ability or that kind of luxury to kind of see what's happening from a regional perspective in a but also globally. And then the vast majority of roles I did for the last ten years or more um, before I kind of came to were all global roles. So um, you know, working across uh, you know most of the most of the kind of European markets as well as in APAC. Uh, as well as in the US, uh, as well as in uh, in Latam as well. So, I've had that I've had that luxury over, over the course of career. Um, it's an easy thing to kind of think about because the differences are what make it really interesting, and the differences in candidate dynamics and markets and business culture, in particular, uh, are, some for me, one of the most interesting parts of doing a recruitment job, right? Um, but it's the same premise that it has when you go into recruit one role or two roles it's okay what's the what does the candidate market look like what insight can I get from that um, what does the skill requirements look like what does the scarcity look like how difficult is this going to be for me to recruit in this market and what can I tell my business about the decisions they're making to hide this type of role in this type of location so the thought process is the same You're just looking to learn every single time uh, and maybe sometimes we can really be a little bit too um, flippant with, with with what that means because you know, say that you're a specialist in uh, in finance recruiting, and you know finance, and you know the market. Things do change, right? Like, say if you're not kind of like listening and learning and connecting with people in those markets on a regular basis, uh, and also understanding where you're pulling information and data from that allow you to kind of think about things like differently, then it's it's going to be a it's going to be a problem. So, for me, the differences that you see are kind of endless, but. If you're open to it and you're looking to find it out, then it's a uh, then it's a it's a it's a really cool thing to do. It should be should be interesting, right? Uh, definitely.
1: And what do you find is um, are some really difficult locations um, to hire into?
0: It depends on the skill set, right? right? Like it's it depends on what you're looking for and what location. You know, one thing you know, one skill set in one location is going to be easy, and then a completely different skill set in the same location is going to be difficult. You know, we have you know, a tremendous amount of differences in types of roles that we recruit for. Um, but location-wise, you know, Uber is, we, we have a luxury at Uber, you know, so it's, it's a well-regarded brand and it's a well-known brand. So, it, you know, it does have, it, it. does open doors and it does create an, an application flow as well in lots, of, in lots of ways. But that's not to say every market's easy for us, right? We have very difficult roles to recruit for. If I think about our customer operations as an example, uh, we have, you know, centers within uh, within certain countries but we have to recruit specific language skills into those markets so we might need 25 french speakers in lisbon um or you know it's 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 a market that well so how do you understand how easy or how hard that would be to recruit unless you're in there doing it and you're doing the research and you're pulling the data from the right kind of places so for me it's yeah i mean it's it, it it's it's fantastically interesting but whenever things get more specific in in heart, in in locations where the candidate supply is scarce, and of course that makes it more difficult. Um, but I'm yet to find it in 25 years where it's impossible. Like there is there is always a way to do it um, if you plan effectively and if you take the right actions from a recruitment point of view.
1: Yeah, I think exactly. You just need to really understand the problem and the situation, and then you get the right solution for it, right? Because there are always options.
0: Completely right. Completely. I think there's um, you know. Having having that in lockstep with your business though is really really key, because you have to align expectations around some some of these things. Like what are, you know, what's the difficulty we've got here? What's the scarcity? What's the time involved? What actions need to be create recre- need to be created, and how do I manage those uh, and deliver for an organization? So that is part of its plan. You know, there's nothing worse than kind of like chasing your tail on something that needs to be delivered yesterday that could have been planned in a in you know in a more effective way should if only you'd have been a, a <laughs> little bit more cognizant of it. Yes,
1: yes. Um and with with your scope and your um also global exposure, um how do you think market intelligence can be um leveraged and should be designed that it's really adding also value for the organization from a recruiting perspective?
0: Well I think this is one of the I think this is one of the key things that goes on in in a really good TA function today. Um, and I can remember a time when market intelligence was completely down to individual recruiters pulling it from their own activity, right? Um, but we're we're lucky today. There are lots of different platforms and lots of different avenues to kind of develop great market insight. Um, I think if you uh, if you look at kind of some of the products on the market today, whether it's the stuff that's I mean the main kind of things that come from LinkedIn on Insights or or, or Talent Neuron um or the information that you can harness from your own TA function itself, right? I think the work that kind of sourcing functions do and, and recruiting functions do um is constantly being live in the market. It's how do we kind of collate that and how do we put that together? How do we create themes and how do we create usable data that we can uh, use to inform our actions in the you know in in the next steps. So there's stuff that you can buy in for sure uh and really, really worthwhile elements to to, to kind of like harness. But you have to you have to take that and do something with it and you also have to give it your own spin and your own additions based on what your experience is you know what one system tells me about census data um, or skill availability in the market uh, two organizations will experience that completely differently depending on how attractive a brand they are or you know what their proposition is or what they're willing to pay or whatever else so you know, one set of market data might not be specific to you as an organization. So it's really, really important to build on top of it with your own insights. And that's really important when you come to making kind of like compensation decisions uh, or location strategy that you can impact from a you know from a business perspective. In case you have any feedback or anything you want to share with me, please
1: send me an email on Thomas at peoplewise.com or hit me up on LinkedIn. And in case you really enjoy the show, please subscribe. I would
0: really appreciate it. So, you know, I think tier functions have a lot to offer in this space from a business planning perspective, not only what they do when they come to recruit. Especially if you just count up the numbers,
1: right? Um, How many interviews are being done maybe every day, every week or every month or every quarter? Take the time frame um, by your function, right? The bigger it gets, the more powerful it gets. Um, And I think if you just create a certain set of attributes where you do systematic information gathering that you really can pull reports from it, that's very insightful.
0: I mean, think about the, the amount of people that that actually give you data as a as a as a recruiting organization. You know, regardless of the organization that you're in or the size of it, there is a tremendous amount of information and in candidate behavior. Whether it's how many people interact with your uh, your branding activity, your advertising, your career site, the application flow, who they are. Um, you know, in certain markets, you can get that kind of uh, a richer level of diversity information from that as well. So you can start to find a little bit more about candidate behavior in that perspective then you've got everyone that kind of comes to the interview process you know an organization like like ours you know we'll probably be doing somewhere in between you know a thousand or twelve hundred interviews every single week um that's a tremendous amount of activity and interaction with people that you can learn from but the data has to be harnessed as well right like you know what happened what was the what do they say about the experience like it's there's a tremendous amount of information there and i think we're sometimes we close ourselves off to that um But also imagine, I don't know, if you think about outreach as a a great example, what are people telling you about your proposition or the market that you're recruiting in or the skills you're after or whatever else it might be based on the fact they're saying they're not interested? right so there's a tremendous amount of information to harness but you know we've got to put that in the right in the right in the right format and also put it into the right forum as well
1: yeah and especially for you with your um, scope um, you're maybe not face to face with candidates every day anymore right <laughs> so you need to get some
0: data points well, you be surprised I'm, yeah yeah i'm i'm face to candidates on a, on a regular basis um, oh, so daily I think uh maybe not every single day but on a regular basis for sure um it's good I think um, yeah I think there's some interesting stuff to, to learn from that um I have a personal belief that TA leaders should be uh should be as present as possible in their in their hiring processes um so I mean I was thinking I, only uh, a week or so ago I had lunch with a candidate we were looking uh looking to relocate from one country to another uh and I'd relocated so it was a good thing for me to talk to the person about so why not I can give a personal experience and tell them you know, the, the, the good and the bad of uh, of what that process looks like when you're moving, you know, with your family or whatever else. And, um, yeah, I think we sometimes need to be uh, as involved in that process as possible. You know, it's one of the reasons, you know, I see really good CEOs and they want to speak to their customers. They want to get close to that. They want to understand it so that that, that presence in them is part of the decision making. Uh, and I think it's the same for recruitment, right? If you don't, if you're not understanding what happens in your market, uh, and talking to people that do interviews or meeting candidates or whatever else it might be, uh, then there's a potential you miss out some really good input and some really good information. So I think I, I think it's critical. Um, maybe it's 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 less common for people, particularly as you get to kind of enterprise level leadership in TA, because there's just so much other stuff going on. But you know, understand the market, understand the people, because let's face it recruitment yes it's a process yes it's a the core of it is a transaction the love of that is really really important but it is an entirely people driven process it's one person talking to another at some point right and someone making a personal decision about what they do with their life like unless you're connected to that i think you're missing a trick i agree and i think that's also very outstanding that you're
1: still so engaged in that because um I think you can be trapped in a lot of admin processes or stuff that might is there urgently, but you can maybe easily delegate um, or just automate or make sure that it's not coming up to you. And then you can design your time as a leader for the things that actually matter to you. right? And if that is something that is really mattering to you, you find the time for
0: it. I think so. I think so. It's also about making sure you know you connect the purpose of what you're trying to do. Like we talk a lot about this in change all the time, right? Like how and the what of change, but very rarely connecting really on the right level with the why. Um, it's one of the reasons that you know at Uber we do a, a, a week every year, so and my function is part of it, where we connect directly with our with our customers or our consumers or our riders uh, or our earners um uh and i it's a it's a it's an, it's an amazing thing for us to do because you get a kind of sense of okay why are we doing what we do why is recruitment important to this organization like what do people experience on the result of us recruiting people into this organization and then the kind of the, the, the transmission of that into and we want to still and if we connect with our customers we understand our business we also want to connect that to our candidate proposition as well right so it's a great thing for my fund and for me personally to do because the more connection that i have and i've sat with you know recently in rooms of uh of uh, of couriers uh, and earners uh, and people that use the platform uh and to kind of like hear about the difference it makes to them uh and uh and why it's important and what they would love to see in the future it's great food for thought when it comes about thinking in exactly the same way about how we interact with our canvas because the two groups are not mutually exclusive in a lot of instances, they'll be the same. They'll be the same people, and that's been the same for me in other roles as well. Same for me when I was working in banking. A lot of the people we recruited would have been customers of that bank uh, or potential customers of that bank. Um, it was the same when I was working in tech. At, you know, a place like Last Minute. It's exactly the same premise, and it's. Uh, I'd be surprised that ever changes, given that uh, the majority of folks who work in this industry you know, tend to be in commercial enterprises. Of course, that's not always the case. You know, you might have kind of charity and not for profit, but generally speaking, you know, understanding of the customer is uh, is key to understanding the candidate.
1: I agree. And um, what do you think, how will the um, market now um, develop or what what are the, the levers of the market dynamics we're currently seeing, in your opinion, because you already saw 2008 and maybe in the 90s or Early two thousands, there was also something with the internet going on.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. I think I've got, I've got into recruitment at the wrong time. I've spent I've spent twenty five years riding various different international crises, but um, or crises, but uh, so maybe maybe it's me. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, I think can what I mean. Your question is around like kind of what well, the levers in candidate market. I think this is you know right now. Um, the organizations are becoming more selective in terms of recruitment. Uh, I think that's key. Uh, and I think that's very real based on economic circumstance. Um, and it's different for different businesses, of course. Um, but I think most businesses are facing a question of scarcity right now. Um, the, uh, the the needs and wants of an organization are changing. Um, and if you think purely um, about, and I know it's glib because it's on probably every everyone's lips every time i go to a conference and every time i kind of go to a, a roundtable table or anything like that you know everyone talks about the impact of uh, machine learning and ai right now but that is changing the nature of what we need to recruit and there is a market with a with a ginormous scarcity of skill in it because it's so new um but that has happened over the course of the last 25 years of my experience as, as well but we're def- definitely moving into an area of kind of like scarcity i think um, so I think that's something for organisations to really, really understand, the, and the skills that you need uh, are are going to be, you know, increasingly scarce in the market because, quite frankly, technology is changing around us. So that just creates a different dynamic. So what can you, you know, how can you keep pace with that? How can you recruit and how can you retrain? So that's the first bit. Um, I also notice uh, a, a real changing dynamic around uh, around quality of hire, uh, and and that's controversial sometimes uh, in terms of you know the measures for that. Um, but at its heart, I think it's that there's a really interesting uh, concept in here, where I've noticed this particularly over the last five years or so that organisations are thinking more more sensibly about the right types of people to hire into organisations. Whereas historically, most organisations naturally and understandably have focused on the skills that you require. Um, but organisations are more uh, are more adaptive now and are more cognizant of thinking about. The right types of people. Uh, I worked with a, an amazing uh, uh, occupational psychologist at one of my one of my previous organizations. Who'd written, I think at the time, he'd written about sixty or sixty-five books uh, on occupational psychology, so he seemed to know a few things about it. um So fascinating person to learn from. Um, uh, and what he said is like, look, it's going to boil down to two things, right? The first thing are these people smart enough to do what you need them to do, and are they the right type of person? like what type what personality type are they and what do you need in your team or what do you need for that role what don't you have so you get a greater kind of um uh output from your collective because you're missing that you know that one type of person or the uh or the uh, a key kind of uh, ability or something like that or capability so thinking right like really really sensibly about kind of you know molding recruitment processes that gets the nub of the matter around what is the what is the type of person i'm looking to recruit and are they Uh, And are they able to do what I need them to do both now and tomorrow and in the future so they can have an exceptional career experience, continue to grow, continue to learn and continue to add value because it's reciprocal. You know, organizations sometimes like fall into a little bit of arrogance when it comes to recruiting, in my view. It's like, well, we're the recruiting uh, entity. Uh, You are the person who might be interested in a role or we've convinced to be interested in a role um so that's how this relationship is going to work um but the whole thing should be way more reciprocal right uh like an employment contract has two sides to it uh and an employment experience has two sides to it right i'm going to do a bunch of stuff that's in the interest of the organization and its consumers and like uh, and, and whatever else it might be um but i'm also looking for stuff back as well right so how does that piece work and thinking about we get that right so that we kind of know, hire the right types of people in and continue to grow and uh, and help them in their, you know, in their careers, rather than just thinking that it's, oh, that's just something they'll come in, you know, I'll hire a salesperson, they become a sales manager, then they can be a sales director and a sales leader, and that's, they'll just do that. Maybe, maybe not, right? So being a little bit more thoughtful about that is a is a particularly useful thing, I think.
1: I totally agree. Matt, it was really nice um talking to you um we yeah i loved after time so i feel like we um, talked
0: a lot this week you and i as well like either in person on phone on now on podcast. everything everything
1: in person then a, a short call and now an episode what's next <laughs> <laughs> who
0: knows let's see what happens next week mate <laughs> yeah
1: so <laughs> um, um who is a guest that you know i don't know yet who i should interview as well
0: um i tell you i, I well it depends what depends what you want to, what kind of topics you'd like love to cover love to cover but um yeah, I know a few people I think would be, would be great. I guests. think
1: the, the psychologist, but you mentioned this would be interesting also to listen to an episode with these with insights.
0: Yeah. I think if right, if you can get him, it's going to cost you a lot of money. He spent, he's, he's a, he's, he's a seriously costly person to on a, get on a, a podcast or a public speaking engagement. So that, that might be a bit tricky, um, but I know a bunch of other people that might be, might be useful for you depending on topics. Um, just depends what you, you, you know, you'd want to talk about really.
1: Yeah, so um, I think everything regarding, um, so I, I usually have three type of guests, certain experts in certain um, fields that are some kind of tied to any kind of leadership, um, people perspective. Then secondly, um, executives, founders um, from a certain function um, that also have a sp- certain perspective or then also um, individuals with certain perspective styles um, in the whole people um, function including done anything on the diversity topic yet yeah I have um but i I am also happy to do more
0: uh, I know a few people that might be interested to speak to from a diversity perspective um I know somebody else who might be really interesting to speak to uh, uh who is uh one of the people I work with in talent development and recruitment but now is a startup coach um who's got a really cool business if you uh I can I, I can ping you a link actually you can have a look yeah there? sure but she'd be a great person to speak to. She was at like Yahoo for years, and uh, I would uh, love uh. to. Yeah, so you know, I the,
1: this is also this is also the beauty of the podcast that it's growing like this organically.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I can definitely introduce you a few people. So let me have a think, and I'll bring you a couple of details, and maybe introduce you a couple of people.
1: Cool. Thanks, Matt. It was really nice talking to you, and enjoy
0: your weekend in Cologne. I will. I will. Thank you so much. I'll see you soon.